Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It seems fitting that just earlier this month we talked about Christ being like a hen who wants to gather her chicks under her wings. And who are her chicks? The world. But too many are lost unwilling to be gathered. And that was Jesus's lament over Jerusalem. How long have I longed to gather you together, but you were not willing? So now what? And today's gospel reading is the response. What is God going to do with this situation where he has these lost children for whom he wants to be the father? How will he gather them back in? So in Luke chapter 15, we actually have three parables of which we only heard the last. When Jesus wants to respond to the Pharisees and the scribes who seem so unwilling for Jesus to eat with tax collectors and sinners, he talks to them about three lost things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and in this morning's reading, two lost sons. Now, it's always tempting with parables when we read them to ask ourselves the question, who am I in this parable? That's the kind of people that we are. We want to see ourselves in the story. And so we try on different characters to see if maybe that fits our situation. Some people might see themselves in the younger son, who starts out the parable extremely callous. He basically wishes that his dad was dead. So I'm looking at you kids, not a nice thing to do. Because the only way you get inheritance from your dad is if he's gone, and then the property gets split. But this father, even though the son is right now in his face demanding that he be dead, says, even though I am alive, I will give you your half of the inheritance. And that younger son turns his back on not only his dad and his older brother and his family, but his whole community, selling off all these possessions to the people in town to amass a war chest that enables him to go off to a far country. But is he such a bad guy, this younger son? It says in the parable that he was guilty of wasteful living. What exactly is wasteful living? Is it buying a Tesla when a Nissan Leaf would do? Is it getting a big SUV when you probably could get by with a smaller car? Is it buying that house with the extra sixth or seventh bedroom when you really only need two or three? In some ways, all of us, especially those of us who live in the West, could be found guilty of wasteful living. He tries to earn back his place in the household. He's not looking for a handout, and we all hate people that just want a handout, right? We'd rather give people a hand up. That's exactly what this younger son is looking for. I know I'm no longer worthy to be part of the family, but I will come back and I'll earn my keep. So is he really the bad guy in this parable? Maybe we're the older son. And certainly good, faithful, church-going, Lutheran Christians probably most identify with that person in the parable. He seems like the good guy, always staying, always doing his duty, trying to do right by the household. But is he such a good guy? He doesn't seem to have any love at all for his brother who has been gone 
perhaps dead in some faraway place, he calls him this son of yours to his dad, which basically implies, first of all, that he doesn't want to have any relationship to him, but also that he blames his father for what his younger brother has done. It is kind of a violation of the fourth commandment. And then he goes on to imagine what his younger sibling has been doing in this far off country. Devoured your property with prostitutes is what he says to his dad, which is kind of a violation of the eighth commandment to explain your neighbor's actions in the kindest way. After all, all that Jesus said was that he wasted uh, he's, he was reckless with his property on wasteful living. It doesn't say anything about prostitutes. How often have we turned our brother into an other? Well, that's not really my brother because fill in the blank. Am I my brother's keeper? Is maybe one of the most famous lines from the opening chapters of Genesis after let there be light. Yes, we are our brother's keeper. We all have brothers and sisters in the world. He believes he's earned his place in the household already. He has been the good servant. These many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. So is he really the good guy in this parable? Well, if we don't see ourselves as the younger son or the older son, you might see yourself as the missing character in this parable. And in fact, the character that's missing in a lot of the parables after we've read them, but is intended to be there by Jesus. And that is the community. Every parable happens in a context. First of all, there are the people listening to the parable. But if you look closely at every one of them, there's usually a chorus, a community that is actively responding to the things that are going on. The younger son, you see, who received this inheritance from his father would have received it not in gold or bonds or cryptocurrency or money. He would have received it in goats and sheep and land. And you can't take goats and sheep and land with you to a far off country. You've got to liquidate everything. And the people you liquidate it to is the community who are watching this younger son go from vendor to vendor to vendor, selling off what they knew was his father's, who was still alive. Now, of course, when the younger son returns, it's the community that's involved in the party. The community is trying to sort everything out. What do we do to respond to this younger son? How do we treat the older brother? And what kind of a dad goes running down the road crazily after this son who has squandered half of his property? We are often the community trying to make sense of it all. How do we respond? We see things that are going on around the world and our heart breaks and we want to help, but we don't often know how or what to say. Or what to think. The problem with going to any parable, though, trying to figure out who we are in the parable, is we miss the point. The parables are rarely, if ever, centrally about you and I. The main character that really matters in the parables is the one that represents God. Do you remember Carly Simon's old hit? You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. 
Yeah, well, we are all infected by sin in our vein in the same way that we think every parable is about us. When in fact, the parables are meant to illustrate the character of God for an obstinate people who find it hard to understand. When we find ourselves in any of Jesus' parables, we always find the bad guy. The other people in the parables that are supposed to represent you and I are usually the antagonist. We're the tree that doesn't bear fruit. We're the dishonest manager who gets fired from his job for cooking the books. We're the workers that complain about the wages that they contracted to earn. We're the tenants who try and kill the son of the vineyard owner. And yes, we are sons who cannot see their father as a good and gracious dad. So when we go looking for ourselves in the parables, it shouldn't be surprising that what we see is judgment. But if you go looking in the parables for who God is, what you get is purely good news. Because God always illustrates himself as a gracious one, a merciful one, a dad who is out there trying to reconcile his brothers to each other and to himself to try and get the community involved in that reconciliation by throwing a party. God in Christ gives the younger son what he wants and tells the older son that all that is mine is yours. He gives to both of them more than they can even see. And to the community, he shows a reckless love and undeserved compassion by running out to get this son before the community can turn on him and giving him a robe and a ring as a sign of approval and shoes and killing the fattened calf for him, that everybody might know that he has forgiven him. And going out into the field to find the older brother, who by all rights should have been hosting the party, but he goes looking for him to try and win him back as well. And why does God do this? to be the hen that gathers the chicks together, to reconcile the community and his sons to himself so that they might all have a party and celebrate together to be one. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. If you have a chance to read Luke's gospel in one go, it will surprise you how often the idea of partying and celebration comes up and that the greatest sin in Luke's gospel is those who turn down the invitation to the party, who don't want to celebrate, who would rather be trying to find themselves in the parable instead of seeing God. I said at the very beginning that we should remember Jesus' cry over Jerusalem that I talked about two weeks ago. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? That is what God in Christ Jesus is in the business of doing. When Jesus says that he is going to be lifted up on the cross in John's gospel, why does he say he has to do this? So that I might draw all people to myself. And so Paul writes to us today that God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, of gathering the children together, of going to look for the chicks 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Our ministry as the body of Christ in the world is as ambassadors of the God who sought and found us. We are the ambassadors of a father who only wants his children back. He wants to be able to love them. And so whether we're the younger son, which we are some days, or the older son, which we are other days, or the community walking around in bewilderment, which we are maybe more often than not, God is in Christ crucified, body given and blood shed for you to call the whole world home, no matter who we are. God in Christ Jesus is always a dear heavenly father looking for his lost children to gather them together so we can have a party. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.